They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Hello and welcome to the Juan Juan Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Juan on Juan podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. If you really go and you look at the life which which we're collectively sharing, the consensus reality, like like not like a mystical, synchromystic way, but like in a practical way, why is it that we do such stupid? Why do we all agree that like you know we're gonna send our children to these indoctrination centers, and we think it's okay that we have like literal corporations where people make money by imprisoning other people, and corporations it's okay that they make people sick, and then they make more they they make you pay money to buy their sh- to get sick so they can sell you more money. Like why is it that we agree upon this? Like and why is it that's never changed? And why is it like there's a small group of people here on top? To control the masses, like why? How does this all stay in perpetuity? In perpetuity, is that the word? Like it doesn't change. It doesn't matter if you call it the Roman Empire. Doesn't matter if you call it the British Empire. Doesn't matter if you call it the Aztec Empire. Doesn't matter if you call it the Incas. Does any time you see these hierarchical, these hierarchical civilizations, the outer surface is different, but the basic thing is like. It's like it really sucks for the majority of people and a small group of people. And so the question is like, how does this happen? I'm your host as always, Juan. Make sure to follow me on social media at the 101 Podcast on all social media platforms, the101podcast.com, patreon.com slash the101podcast, 
everywhere. You know where to find me. If you're listening to this on YouTube, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, share with your family and friends. And if you're listening to this on the RSS feed, it's free to give us a review, you know, five stars. And if you have any concerns, voice that on the email, not on the reviews, because I always get some people voicing their opinions on the reviews. Like, no, no, if you have to address something, just email me, the one on podcast at gmail.com. And I'm very excited for today's episode. Finally, I can say this. We're going to be doing a Juan on Juan today and hopefully <laughs> doing some some alchemy on air or something. Some I think podcasts are alchemy, Mike. I think that we are transmuting the, the thoughts and ideas of people real time. So we're quite literally warping some people's perceptions and, and ideas and paradigms and all these things. But welcome to the show, Mike. I've podcasted with you before. But on another show that we had with Mar- with Mark from my family thinks I'm crazy and Chris from Mensa, but welcome to your first Juan on Juan episode. What's up, man? Juan, thank you for having me. Uh, I I think I told you this story the last time or the first time we met, but I'm going to bring it up again just because you know it's, maybe it's a different maybe people forgot that was a year or so ago or maybe they haven't heard, but I think it's funny when. Um, I mean, this goes back to probably nine. If I were to guess, I'm going to say 97 or 98 when AOL Instant Messenger first came out. All right. I was in the workforce at that point. So like AOL Instant Messenger was like a thing and like people would like sit in their cubicles and they would do work and they'd communicate through that. And my my handle on AOL Instant Messenger was uh, Miguel Juan. Like, and that's, or, or no, it was Mike Juan. That was my name in high school. I would go by Miguel Juan, spelled J-U-A-N-N. And so for those folks who are listening who, aren't, who, who don't know who I am, like my last name is spelled W-A-N-N. So I was Juan Juan then. That was like my first touch in the, in the, in the technosphere of identification of being Juan Juan. So it feels very, very appropriate for me when you and I connect and we got the we got the Juan Juan uh, thing phonetics going on the spoken Kabbalah as they spe- as they say it. So um, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I, I was in the in the hot seat. Where, where can people find you, by the way, Mike? Where do you have a channel? YouTube channel? Susquehanna have- Alchemy. Susquehanna Alchemy, and that's a. I mean, spell it like it sounds. Uh, but SusquehannaAlchemy.com, Susquehanna Alchemy on YouTube. Um, those are probably that if you search, if you search on that, you should be able to find me or, or my last name. And then from there, you should be able to branch out um, and and find all of the other things, which I do. I do a um, an RSS feed with Mark Steves called Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. Um, some, some subscribe star stuff like that's also Susquehanna Alchemy, but, but that's definitely the way you'd want to go and search. Awesome. And I'll post the links in the description and can you tell us a little bit about you, Mike, for those that don't know, because you talk a, about a lot of interesting topics and you have a, a very unique point of view when it comes to a lot of, of different topics or relate, re- revolving around secret mysticism and obviously alchemy, astrology. I know you have your own system that you use with your board and all these things. But can you let the people know a little bit about yourself and what got you started in this whole weird realm of 
this this thing we call reality or whatever this is. I don't right. even know anymore. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for the opportunity to start from there. Um, and and it's funny, like it, it's it's. I, I actually, today I was writing like a, like what you would call a bio. Like if you do, the, I, I've been on many podcasts and like whenever you go to podcasts, you're like, can you send me a bio? And I'm like, oh God, do I really got to write a bio? And it just feels like really stiff. Like it was, it, it, it traditionally that has been something which has been um, difficult for me to do. But today, but today it kind of flowed in a way that it hasn't before and the reason why that is, um, is because at least for me, from my perspective, and that's really the only thing that matters, your own perspective on yourself, um, all of the, the earlier, the earlier things within my life that, that have brought me to this moment, like it's finally like really beginning to make sense. And it's not necessarily just me and my life, but it's like how and where it is that I am meeting reality right now or like, you know, my role. I think about that a lot as it relates to to this time is like the the consent, the nature of consensus reality, the fact that we're all creating this and then putting in context, like when I meet someone I'm always kind of having the back of my mind is like, well, how does this person fit in? Um, not necessarily like in a, in a, a judgmental way, but like we're all puzzle pieces Like you wouldn't be here unless you're here. So I, I think I'm really good at identifying that. Maybe I, it was easier for me to do that on other people. And finally it feels like it, I can do that more clearly upon myself. And so with that being said, I'll go and I'll answer your question. Um, at the end of the day, I am interested in one thing. Like the question is like, what is this? Like, what is this? What is this? This experience? What is reality? Um, and I don't mean that in a philosophical way. I just mean it like, you know, this is all a bunch of like bullshit, but it's kind of funny and we're here and like, well, if I'm here, what am I going to do? And like all that sort of stuff. So I, I preach, I approach, I approach reality like that. And I suppose I've always been thinking that way. And because I have, I've gone down, like when particularly like maybe in my twenties and my thirties, like any topic of weirdness that I would be exposed to. Like I would delve into it 100% like, okay, let me, what, what is this about? Let me touch it. Let me taste it. Let me feel it and have that experience. But because of that, you know, I've, I've gone down a lot of, um, a lot of dead ends. You know, I kissed a lot of frogs as you, as, as they would say. Um, and so because of that, I've developed, I think a really, really, um, logical or objective sort of means of evaluating life. But I counterbalance that like real kind of logical perspective with like having this real big interest in the, the weirdest, strangest sort of things. Like, so I've, I've even, I've, I've used the phrase logical mysticism in the past. And I am very, I'm very much interested in the relationship between consciousness, you know, the stuff that goes on in our mind space 
and experiential reality and how those two are related. So because of that, I'm very interested in narratives. And what I had done, like probably I became introduced in the in the alternative in the alternative researcher realm, it was through uh, something which I call the Susquehanna mystery, where it was at the time, probably like 2017, 2018, just like a really fresh look at being able to like synchromysticism, like being able to tie together all sorts of things, which in a mainstream perspective should not be tied together, but to be able to tie that together in an artistic poetic way. Um, and so that was kind of like where I began. And it's, that was just always a reflection of how I've always seen reality. And I continued to go and, and do that, creating what I think is a, a really nice archive of gonzo synchromistic storytelling. Gonzo meaning like I'm always in my stories. Like, you know, the research I do, I'm going to be right in center because it's all I can, I, I can, I can, um, I can, I can talk about uh, with any sort of actual knowing is because I've been in it. So I did that. And then, you know, the whole coronavirus thing hits, the, this, this whole sort of thing. And now where we find ourselves on this side of it, um, I, I coin or I will call this time where we are right now, the post-conspiracy theory era. Doesn't mean there's not conspiracy. I mean, the theory is done. And because of that, for me, you know, being someone with the experience which I've had and I've pivoted a little bit, I'm spending my time and interest in really um, leaning into how we apply what the past 10 or 15 years, the conspiracy theory period, into action. And to me, what that means is a literal deconstruction of you know, you mentioned ARGs. I'm going to say the entire cultural experience is just one big ARG. This is why ARGs are so important. If you understand how an ARG works and you understand how the whole thing works and being able to deconstruct that for the simple purpose of creating the space necessary. Now, you know, this is just me within the role which I'm playing within this game, which we are all sharing, create like helping participate to create the space necessary for the meta paradigm shift to take place because if the meta paradigm shift is which i'm thinking about does not take place there is a qr coded qvc sold uh hollywood seduced storyline of what the future is to look like and i i don't have any interest in participating in that and so because of all of this past history of understanding how narratives work by looking at things from a synchromistic perspective, by understanding the actual uh, tricks and traps of conspiratorial cultural life, like it's now applied in what I like to call natural astrology in order to collapse timelines and then land stories in order to collapse false or to collapse false timelines and now to collapse false storylines. And that's how the space is created. So there's a little bit of a long winded answer, but you know, I've certainly I've been guilty of being long-winded many, many times in my life. 
it's all right we're on we're on a podcast people are here to hear us talk and i have this quote pulled up and i heard this a while back it's by i believe a neuroscientist or something or other where he goes we're all hallucinating all the time including right now it's just when we agree about our hallucinations we call that reality and that's that's like such hitting the nail on the head it's right to the point and i've been on this kick of reality manipulation so when you when you talk about all these things the fabric of reality it just makes what i call my esoteric nipples hard right so i just i I, i'm locked in right i'm ready to go ready to rumble and when you when you talk to somebody about this because essentially you're talking about how people are being put in the in these reality tunnels right i mean that's essentially what it is they're being put in these tunnels that and that's the dangerous part about this conspiracy realm, right? That we all can sort of get into this, into this locked in thought and, and have no, no exterior stimulus come in. And that's what we're locked into. Right. But what do you, what do you think this is all for as far as, and who's orchestrating all this? Is it the the lizard people, the elites? Who do you think is at the core of all this? Or is this something that we all come together and a collective conscious create on our own? All right. The, 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 these are great questions and, and, and I'm excited to, to, to share my perspective. So first thing is I hold absolute comfort in the following statement. This experience is a fucking mystery. You're not going to solve it. The more you think you're going to solve it, the more you're going to be a dog chasing your tail. So what makes sense to me is understanding how this mystery works. So when you, you mentioned like reality tunnels, that is the nature of the human experience. Okay. So like that is how we work. That is how consciousness works. So it's not, in my opinion, like, yes, there are manipulations to how you will go and, and, and create your reality tunnel. But the reality, what, what makes more sense is to understand how reality tunnels work, understand how consciousness works, how yours is created for your experience. Because no matter what, I mean, I'll caveat that. For the majority of people who say, I'm not going to spend my entire um, body life, and you can do this. I mean, you can do whatever the hell you want. That's the beauty of this. But if you want to go and spend all your time and like the easiest way of thinking about it is like a Buddhist perspective of clearing the mind and holding like a, a, um, an, a, a principle of uncertainty with everything. Like that is the only way you can move through this without having a reality tunnel is to be completely detached. But I don't think that's how I, w- I want to live my life. Like I'll go to that sometimes, but at the bottom line is we are story beings. And so the stories are what create our reality. These are where our reality tunnels come from. And the stories that we're holding, the most important aspects, we don't even realize are stories at all. So that being said, there's all sorts of um, like lizard people or like the them or the us or what have you. Like, I don't think that matters nearly as much as it, as recognizing just the basis of what, like how consensus reality works, like the things that hold it in place and how quick, like what happens when you stop participating 
uh, in that. And then, and those are the sort of questions. I'm much, much less interested in trying to, I'm less interested in trying to go and, and point out the, the, the bad guys. And the reason but do why they say, know, Mike, do, do they, they know? know how it works? Well, so, okay. So that's a really interesting thing. Um, so now we're going to go into like normal conspiratorial, uh, mindset. There are something which is known as a useful idiot. A useful idiot, by definition, is someone who does not know how it works, and so they are being used based upon their reality tunnel. There are, so whether they're beings, whether it's us, you know, playing it like that's the cosmic joke, I don't know. But to me, I have reached the conclusion, and at least now, that there are and I'm going to use the word beings because I don't know what it is. There are those that, that have a greater perspective as to what's going on. I think there are friends. I think the question, that the, the quote that was attributed to Albert Einstein is, is like it's giving you a big tr a clue as to the nature of experience. The most important question you can ask is, is it a dangerous or friendly universe? Because that's where it all begins. Are they bad guys out there doing it to me? Or are they my friends? I don't know. I choose to think they're their friends. Because it is that texture or nature that then sets up. That then sets up how you're going to build your reality tunnel. You're either going to trust in it or you're not. And that's a real kind of slippery slope. But like that's what you learn through experience. Like what, what yeah. to trust and like how to meet it. Like, what do I want to experience? What do I don't want to experience? And that's why, because again, even, even the nature of reality, what this life is. And it's, it's funny because I just, my latest episode that dropped today, it was on Rene Descartes, which cogito ergo sum, I think therefore I am. And he was having this crisis of, I can only, I can't trust my senses because they can be manipulated. I can only trust that I'm a thinking thing. Therefore I think, therefore I am, right? That, that's where that came along. So this idea of, I've been talking a lot about recently phenomenology where it's all subjective. And at the end of that road, at the, the, the point being that the experience is the only real thing and it's real to you, it's your, it's your gnosis. It's whatever you experience real time. So it doesn't matter what anybody else says about it. Cause I've also done shows on cryptids and Bigfoot and Dogman and all this craziness. It's like, well, that sounds wild. Yeah. But they experienced that. That was real to them at that point in time. So you can't take that away from them. So, and that's what I love about synchronicities where you can choose to follow them. You can choose to, to, to see it as some sort of breadcrumb trail of life or reality. If it is a living entity or, or something, how you're saying, because I do believe we're in some synthetic simulation of some sort, not some computer hardware, maybe something, there's a consciousness to it. There's something there that's conscious. The universe thinks it knows what's going on. If there's, and I believe that there's a creator. I think there's, a, there's a, there's an architect somewhere inside that thing. And then there's little architects with little A's that that run around and do whatever they want to do and and mess around with us whatever but point being that it's all it's all subjective i mean it's whatever you want to make of it synchronicities are you can either accept them for what they are or 
I can have this synchro mystic, you know, that you step it up to the next level. And whenever I have a synchronicity or I have not, not a synchronicity, whenever I have deja vu, which is kind of sort of like a synchronicity, I, I think they're echoes in space and time. Whenever I have deja vu, I always say to myself, I go, I'm supposed to be here because that just tells me that I've done this some other time in space and time or whatever this is, reality, some some place. And it's an echo. So I know I need to be here. And then I have fun with synchronicities and I just follow them. I sometimes take them for what they are. But how many times can something just be a coincidence, Mike? Right. How many times do we can something happen to us and we choose to ignore it? And when do you when are you supposed to start paying attention? Right. Because it's all subjective at the end of the day. So uh, I would, I'd like to respond to a couple of those things. So the, so the first thing is um, the nature of the human experience is whatever you're going to say, this is what it is. Well, then you're that's what it is. That's it. Like mm-hmm. it's like there's this desire within the human being, uh, per- particularly in the way that we've been raised in culture. So the first thing you need to realize is that the human being, whatever, wherever, however they are born, they will become their brain will become formed into what they're born into. Like this is why you learn the language they speak in your house. This is why, like, it doesn't matter what the hell they speak. Your first three years when you're around it, your brain just learns it without, like, flashcards. Like, and that's just an example. We become what we're around. That is the nature of our experience. That's not a problem. So, okay, part of the nature of the experience then is, like, like we have these feedback loops with like the outer world and the inner world and it creates this dance and so whether you want to go and call them synchronicities whether you want to call them this or that like you know there's not a right way or wrong way we want to have a right way or wrong way it's like this is the way it is so now that you know that's the way it is what are you going to do so but it's not quite that simple because here's part of the human experience by the time you know, only a, only a few, a few or a smaller percentage of people are going to be, are going to be interested or come to the capability of having like the type of conversation which we're having. And so by the time someone like the, the human being, like part of our experience is that we have self-awareness. What self-awareness means is you've got a point of reference that is separate than the whole. And so you need something to compare it to. So we like build up all of this self-aware, all of this experience, you know, through like the, the, our, our first 20 years of life. And then we begin to have, like have our self-awareness and begin to understand what's happening. But by that time, you've already had all of this stuff built in. And so it gets really tricky because you're holding on to things that have just been conditioned that you don't even realize are conditioned. This is like the whole blind spot sort of stuff. So recognizing that's part, like that's built into this whole sort of dance. That's one of the best ways of manipulation is is like the person's going to become what they're around, like the controllers for multi-generational of of the of the system like that's why it stays in place because it seems normal and we always go back to the point of reference of what feels the most normal unless you do a significant amount of in, internal work to repattern all of that stuff so okay there was, that was the first point you said something else which i really wanted to respond to but uh i've already lost it <laughs> <laughs> uh, i talked about from 
yeah, phenomenology and just how it's all the oh, oh, the only is, real thing. This this is what I this is what I want to say. So, um, this is my personal opinion. Uh, if you start going down the path of like it's all subjective and it's all this and it's all that, that becomes another one of these dog chasing the tail thing. I'm like, you're 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 absolutely right. I'm not going to argue with that. But that being said. That being said, like, I'm going to smack someone across the head when they say that. You got to start somewhere. That's why I say, like, it's a mystery. We're not going to solve the mystery. I got that. So that means, like, there's nothing that's going to be so solid that you got, you could say this is it. But what you can say is this is the most solid thing I got because I need a starting point. And to me, so you, uh, so you said the quote, like, you know, I can't trust my senses. They can be manipulated. 100% true. Everything can be manipulated. This is a manipulative experience. So to think that it's not to be manipulative is like you're play, you're like you're approaching it incorrectly. The most real thing, which I, I I use this a lot in my own talk tracks, is like the most real thing, the point of reference where it all begins, is all I know is that I've got an aliveness tied to a body which is standing on solid ground and the sky above my head, and that's just the starting point. I don't know what the ground is. I don't know if it's an earth. I don't know if it's a globe. I don't know if I'm a simulation. I don't know if that's firmament. I don't know if I'm seeing a billion years in the past. I don't know. Maybe that's true, but I don't need to know that. I'm going to start with what I know. And so to me, when you can go and do that and you can find that like that starting point, you're like, okay, this is what, this is the most real I know. It allows like, a little bit of the um, our culture currently um, has people in such a constant state of of uh, of um, nervous system anxiety that that like it's because we don't have solid space. Nothing is like we can we can settle on. What I just described is probably the most solid which you're going to get. And so like, okay, we could begin from there and then we can go and explore and see how this stuff, um, see, see what we can understand is happening in this environment. And I want to say this one last point before I hand it back to you is I said in the introduction, I made reference um, to like collapsing false timelines, collapsing false storylines to create the space for a meta paradigm shift. So what I'm talking about is being able to release all the stuff. Everything's a friggin' story. And every story, every story can fall, can be looked at at least from another perspective. That is the nature of our reality. And when we allow that to kind of collapse, the other thing which we know about this reality is that it abhors a vacuum. So when you allow something to collapse, something new is going to show itself. But how much can you let go of to allow something new? The last thing about this reality, the physical reality, is that our physical reality will naturally go to a, a place of, of uh, uh, find its own balance point when left, to its own, um, when left to its own devices. Your body does this. The nature does this. When you stop putting the toxins in, toxins in it fixes itself. So I trust that also within consciousness, and consciousness is what drives the experience. So that to me, like what we're talking about, like this is the basis of wanting to be able or allowing and 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 creating the space for something very very different and new for our our 
you know, beginning on the personal, but eventually going to a consensus or collective reality. Wow. Yeah, that that's that's really powerful stuff and collapsing timelines and the meta paradigm shift. So where where do we go from here? Cause that's some that's some black belt stuff right there as far as so ask me what the hell you that can, means. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm I'm trying to word my my question correctly because I I've been noticing this and it goes I, I've been on this other kick of fiction and the what was the name of it? There's a book I read recently. It's I think storyteller as cartographer or something or other where fiction creates people they create a world essentially. And whenever you're watching a movie or, or listening to a story or reading a book, you're you're forming this world, this universe in your head that you don't really kind of think about what certain things are happening in the background. So you're only focused on whatever is being presented to you at that point in time. But I don't know about you, Mike, but whenever I watch a movie, do you ever sit and think when they're cutting between scenes, what happened between that time that they cut over from this this set of characters to the next set of characters what were those characters doing were they frozen in time until the camera came to them or were they running through whatever scenario that they're going through and this is what stories inhibit you from doing they they don't let you do that because you're so immersed in that experience mm. that's going on as it's going on and you can see this real time with what's happening right now I've I've gotten a few people writing to me like, oh, this is the end of times. This is it. This is what's going on, you know? And I think what, what you're talking about collapsing these timelines, well, I think they're doing this on purpose. And it, it, it makes me think about George Lewis Borges where he talked about there's this one particular story where it was a secret society. They find these historical books, right? And it's a, this whole history. And they present it out to the, to the world. And it's only, it's a fictional thing. The book that they're referring to, this historical thing that they're referring to, but it becomes reality because people start to power. Um, so some Like some sort of egregore, some sort of thought form, some sort of topa, this, this energy that just kind of transforms and it becomes a reality when it was just a story to begin with. Is that kind of sort of what you're talking about as far as collapsing timelines where you present this other opposing view and then you kind of manipulate it to whatever it is that you want it to be can you uh, all right now we can right, get into so, it <laughs> so that's fantastic thank you so what you what you just described well first i want to go back to the movie thing i think that's a really interesting point and movies movies can can really be a great way of understanding I call them cinemagicians cinemagicians uh there is a movie called stranger than fiction which kind of plays with the idea which you just talked about, which I think is which which I would recommend. Um, I would recommend is like you know something in terms of like what 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 exactly does happen? What what is the nature of of reality? Because I know I've had enough strange experiences in my life that I ask these sort of questions. So so first is that. Um, secondly, when you're talking about the idea of there being like this like made up book and then from that book people 
believed it to be real. And from that belief in it <laughs> becoming real, it created this reality. Now, I was making reference to that very nature a few minutes ago when I was talking about the relationship between the inner world and the outer world, whatever the outer world may be, whether it's like a fictitious story or, or, you know, Plato cave, like shadows and shit like that. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like, there is this thing that happens inside us that what we fuel, whether or not it is in physical or objective reality or not is almost second nature. That, that that's not the question. It's like, what are you going to go and create? So I think that's why I think it's more important to understand the nature of the of reality as opposed to like getting to the bottom of the truth, because the truth at the end of the day is it doesn't matter. So now to what your actual question is, collapsing timelines. No, that's not what I mean. However, what you said is what I mean by uh, collapsing false storylines. Collapsing false storylines means recognizing the truth in experiential reality that the stories that we believe in are where are where our reality are where our reality takes off from. And if every story can be looked at from a different perspective, that's the beauty of conspiracy theory. If you, everyone should, I mean, it's, it's, it's done now. We're past that time, but from like 9-11, 2001 to 2020, that is when conspiracy theory went mainstream. They're always conspiracy theorists, but they used to be, they used to be a really, really small percentage of, of outcasts and it became more and more mainstream. And what conspiracy theory did, like it didn't change anything other than the fact that it changed people's ways of perceiving reality. They're like, oh shit, those, that, what I learned in school, that's all a bunch of bullshit. It was written by these people. And like, they, like, that's the value. The value is like the story changes when you get more information, right? The danger in my opinion with conspiracy theories, I've, I've coined this the James Shelby Downard vortex is you get stuck in it. And like, then like, and, and, and everything like that becomes your reality. So if you can move out of it and you can see how changing stories can allow them to collapse, like that is part of it. But this, this is what I mean by collapsing timelines. So false timelines, collapsing false timelines. If you really go and you look at the life, which, which we're collectively sharing, um, the consensus reality, like on, like not like a, not on a, on a, a mystical, synchromistic way, but like in a practical way. Like, why is it like that we do such stupid shit? Why do we all agree that, like, yeah, we're going to send our children to these indoctrination centers, and we think it's okay that we have like literal corporations where people make money by imprisoning other people, and corporations, it's okay that they make people sick, and then they make more, they they make you pay money to buy their shit to get sick, so they can sell you more money. Like, why is it that we agree upon this? Like, and why is it that it's never Never changed, and why is it like there's a small group of people here on top who control the masses? Like, why? How does this all stay in 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 
in perpetuity, in perpetuity. Is that the word? Like it doesn't change. It doesn't matter if you call it the Roman empire. Doesn't matter if you call it the British empire. Doesn't matter if you call it the Aztec empire. Doesn't matter if you call it the Incas. Does anytime you see these hierarchical, these hierarchical civilizations, the outer surface is different, but the basic thing is like, it's like, it really sucks for the majority of people at a small group of people. And so the question is like, how does this happen? So I'm going to talk about our time right now. The basis of all consensus reality Okay, and consensus reality begins in the mind. It's mental agreements which we all come to. And then we, we go and we, we, we build our collective reality from it. The basis of consensus reality is the agreement on the definition and perception of time. Okay? So what I'm about to say is so unsexy which is why no one wants to talk about because they want like lizard people. They literally want to say like, I'd much rather believe in fucking lizard people than hear what you got to say, Uncle Mike. So this is what, so we could go look at the, we could look at the world right now and we could look at like all these different countries and with like, you know, the, the laws might be different. Like, you know, in one country, you can't do this and you can't do this in that country. In that country, they speak different languages. And so we're in difference. We're in, we, we have difference of opinions in the language, which we speak. We have difference in opinions in like the laws and what's legal. But the one thing which we all agree upon is today's Thursday. We all agree upon that. There's no such thing as Thursday. Like Thursday is a concept. There's no such thing as Thursday. So I'm going to go like that is our entire concept of time is based upon something that is not real. So I'm going to give you another example. And I'm going to tell you why this like why this matters in a moment. So midnight, like there's no outside of our culture, outside of a watch, Midnight does not exist. Sunrise exists. Sunset exists. High noon exists. We can agree upon it. There is no, there is no subjectivity about when that bright glowing ball in the sky crosses the line. You know, we can all agree upon that. But midnight doesn't exist. Midnight is a concept. I'm not saying like, you know, there's not something to that, but this is why it matters. Our entire system is based upon, oh, the next day, the next calendar day starts at midnight. What? The next calendar day, when you're picturing in your mind, when our agreements, because our consensus reality begins in mind, is grounded in nothing. It's only grounded in itself. Midnight only makes sense to banks because they want to know when to, when to count the next day, when the next interest, like it only midnight and the next day only makes sense to the system. And the system is the biggest egregore there is. And the system only exists because we believe in it. And the system is founded upon time. And the time, the reason why we are so easily manipulated is because our understanding in time is grounded in nothing but a concept.
And because it's not grounded in anything you can see or taste or touch, we are putting the basis of our understanding of our reality in something that is easily manipulated. So that being said, so, so the same, or so I talked about the day, the same thing is about, it's true with a week, the week falls apart, uh, months fall apart, years fall apart. When one begins, so two things, one is when you begin to understand these concepts, like rationally, you have a very, as human beings, we have very, very sharp, rational minds. We can learn all sorts of stuff, but if you apply that mind to just like, it's the same reason why subliminals like lose their effect. Once you understand that they're using subliminals in you, like something happens. Like, so to begin to understand like all of that, like what I just basically expressed to you is like, okay, yeah, Mike, that makes sense. Like I get it. And then, I mean, this is what I do in my personal life is I have incorporated practices which allow me to realign my understanding of my life like the events of my existence, you know, the regular stuff grounded in actual reality for the simple purpose of like, this is where I am grounding my understanding of time. And we're going to define time. Time is the lag between the events of your life. That's all it is. And if your life is sacred, if the events in your life are sacred, we want to treat the container which holds the time or our understanding of the events of our life in a sacred way, in a, tem in a tem temenos. And so by bringing that appreciation, a ceremonial appreciation to life, your life, to understanding actual real time and how it's different than the ridiculousness of time, what you're literally doing is you are collapsing false timelines because a false timeline is anything that is built upon a timeline that is false by, by definition. And so when I say collapsing false timelines, um, that is what I mean. And I'm going to say, and I'm going to give you a little teaser. I'm going to give you space to ask me some questions like what I meant by that. But then the next question, if I were in your shoes, I'm like, well, okay, Mike, well, what are the effects? What happens if you do this sort of thing? What happens, Mike? We want to know. We want to know how to break out of this thing that so, we're in. So, okay. So, so this is where, this is where it gets really like, interesting and scary <laughs> because we have been, we had, like, as I said before, the nature of being human is you become what you were born into. Okay. And then what you were born into becomes our point of reference for what we think life is about. All right. It's what's comfortable. It's what we know. And when we begin to realize like, and this is the reason why it never changes. This is why like, yeah, the outer form may change on the surface of one civilization to another, but it's always the same friggin' thing, like a few on top and the, and, and the small on the bottoms. And they'll give you a bunch of goodies, like just little crumbs from the table. If you play along, I'll let you take two weeks vacation. I'll let you get a condo in St. Pete but I'll take it away if you stop paying your taxes for made up money or made up debt for wars that you don't even, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like it's all like just crumbs. Like if you begin and say like, okay, I'm going to go and deconstruct. 
I'm going to go and deconstruct the, the system that holds that up. The correspondence of that in your personal life, yeah, that's going to start falling apart. That shit, that shit which you know is shit, but because you've been born into it and you don't really know anything better, that will begin to fall apart. <laughs> I promise you that. And that's one of the reasons. That's why, that's why if you go back to the matrix, he goes, he's like, I know this steak isn't real, but it feels real in my mouth and it feels juicy. And my brain tells me it's juicy. It's like, it's because it's like, it kind of sucks on a certain level. This is why like part of like that Hollywood seduction is like, you know, is just half story. There's a truth to that. I've experienced that firsthand. I used to be so well rewarded by our system. Like the whole system, like, you know, it was like, I, I, I had all of the goodies. Like it was like, I was well positioned and I started walking away from it. And then I was thinking I could walk away from it and keep the goodies. I could keep the goodies. And, and then the goodies went away. And that was like, that was a detox. It was like, a, like, you know, when you're an addict and you're like, I want more of my dope. I want more dope because the dope makes me feel good. Like, no, you're going to have to get clean. You're like, what? I'm going to have to go through a detox. Yes. The detox sucks. Yes. But once you get through the other side, you're going to be so friggin' happy. You're no longer a friggin' slave. So yeah, that's, that, there, uh, that's probably an extreme. That is true. Um, but here's, here's the, here is the, you know, this is a great commercial for like, for life, Mike. Um, here is the, 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 the silver lining. Here is the, the payoff. So two things. Because it's a consensus reality, consensus reality is built upon critical mass. And so once critical mass happens, once critical mass happens and there's enough people who are doing it, like it's not nearly as friggin' bad because like it's just like moving off of a system that seems like we're, we're addicted to and what we need. And it's not just the system. It's all the goodies that come with it. And that's another thing. But here's the real exciting thing, in my opinion. When that goes away when the the false structure in which you string your life upon falls apart you begin to see that there is something much greater something like you could never imagine something you don't have to plan for that is holding it all together in ways that you could never expect and so that's what happens I find that so it I number one it takes a very special person to to achieve this in my opinion because what do you do with when you're in this thing with other people who they're stuck in though in that narrative and right. you're making me think of this is just a scenario we're we're going to talk here right as a podcast you're making me think of this book that I just came across. Can't think of the name right now. It's something with subtle energy and egregores and all this stuff. And Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes. He talks about the Commonwealth and the devotees of that Commonwealth and the kingship is what powers that. And without the people, the big egregore, the big being is nothing. The state is nothing. The government is nothing without the little people following in line. Now, when the devotees sever that connection with that egregore, that, that thing, 
through it, mind you, through initiation, and we're all sort of initiated as soon as we're born. When they put this number on us, they give us the social security, they give us this paper, and I've been told, or I've taken it this way, that vowels hold reality together, and when something is written down, it's solidified in this reality. That's what I've been told by an occultist before. And this is how we get, how you were mentioning earlier, what I call interdimensional literature. It's these books like the Holy Bible, the King James Version, the New International Version, all this in, this interdimensional literature that re, that warps people's realities, you know, that warps people's perception of time, of whatever it is. Quite literally, we have a system that's after death or before Christ. Like that's shifting somebody's, what you, exactly what you're talking about. It's implanting that in their mind. But Completely. and I will say this: when someone tells you when you write down the vow and when in, it cements it in physical reality, there's a there's a little bit of truth to that. It makes it more real. But just because you tell me that, then if I believe that, I believe then I'm in your world. That's not true. It's only true mm-hmm. if you make that true. And that okay. is part of the secret society occult priest class mentality. So what you so you, when the devotees sever mm-hmm. that connection to the egregore that's powering that they're powering right so mm-hmm. you're talking about breaking out of this thing that we're in this matrix whatever you want to call it the secret societies are the ones that prop it up so even mm-hmm. if you manage to slip away like neo did in the matrix where he slips out of the pod and he goes into this rebellion guess who's still after him them they are still after him if they are lizard people or not i like to i like the lizard people concept because you can kind of put a face to the and it's funny you can make fun of it. like, <laughs> like, it's, like humor, humor is very good can i uh, can can i can i can i respond right now because yes. uh, it's it's fresh all right so um all right so i want to go back to what i said in the beginning like i was very thoughtful in what i was saying in the beginning in my introduction but i recognized that it would make no sense or it didn't have the context so when i said i want to create the space for the meta paradigm shift okay that's what i mean so the breakaway is not to break away all right there month there once i suppose there was a time once there was a time where this would have been an individual journey, like you as a person, you could be like, you know, Walden, I'd be like, I see, I see the nature of society and I'm withdrawing myself from society. This, we are at a junction right now. This is the beauty of the Corona solar virus ritual. Okay. We all went through something. Um, there it's, there's no, there's no deny. There's no, like, if you watch the matrix and you ask yourself, you're like, how did they get into those bathtubs? Like, what did, were they forced in the bathtubs? Like, how did that happen? They climbed the fuck in. Okay. Why did they climb the fuck in? Because of incremental choices. It was the right choice. It made, you know, it's a vampire. You got to invite the vampire in. Look at what's happening right now. It's laid out in front of us. Like, you know, this is what I would say is the paradox of this moment is the recognition. And this is a hard thing for a lot of people to swallow, but technology ain't your friend. The very, so no matter how you look at it, no matter how you look at it, whether you have to pay for it, 
whether it's because you raped the earth and slave labor, or the fact that the entire technology industry was a byproduct of the military industrial complex. It's anti-earth and anti-human. There's no way about it. We could, we're having a really nice conversation right now, but like we know this, we have to get, so, so that being said, the technology, the coronavirus, all of that has been moving, 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 moving humanity to when, you know, what they've been saying for a hundred years, when, when the human being and tech and artificial technology um, integrate into one thing, like that's happening. There's no doubt. In fact, the human being is different now than what it was when your great-grandparents were alive. I mean, that's just because of vaccines and GMOs and all of these things that have minor changes on DNA and all that sort of stuff. Like, we're changing. So, and, and it's changing uh, immensely. My thought is, so two things. One is that technology thing, like that's going to, that's going to take care of itself. Sorry. It's going to take care of itself. Like whether that's like everyone goes in, like that is not the reality. Um, that is not that, that reality I'm not concerned with. What I'm concerned with is moving off of that reality and not to become a stone age farmer, but because I know, I know that there's so much malleability in our experience I personally think that the human being is going to change in such a way that the whole idea of every creature on earth is said to be born with everything it really needs to survive. And I think the same is true with us. And I think that could be done through consciousness, but because we've become so stupid through the indoctrination, we don't realize that, but we are changing. In fact, I'm going to say this, the generation all of the, if, if you were born since there were smartphones and touchscreen, like computer stuff, that generation, what are they like? The oldest might be like 10 years old right now. They're different. They are different than any of us because their neural pathways formed with interconnections. Like if you see like an eight year old and you give them a piece of technology, they could just figure it out. They'd be like, oh yeah, let me go and like, like figure out your, your, your TV. Like they understand it. They push the buttons and you take someone like, like, like my age, who's like even technologically savvy. They still, they don't have that, like that connection. I've seen it happen. It's because on the level of neural pathways, they're different. You take that generation, you take them outside of the technological sphere. They still have a neural pathway connection, which sees interconnection in a different way. I have absolute faith and, and trust in the nature of reality outside of the false reality. They tell us scary stories all the time, and that's just to keep us scared. So my sense is right now, when you're talking about moving away from, from the egregore of society, it's like society is changing immensely right now. And like that whole world, whatever it's going to become, whether that becomes like a Mark Zuckerberg meta, 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 whatever, uh, metaverse, or whether, whether it's something else, whether everyone dies off because they took the booster or whatever, like that, that is, that's encapsulated itself. There are people if you are not caught in that realm of just like, well, I guess I don't know what to do anymore. I guess all I'm going to do is continue to, to, to 
to deconstruct what's happening on the Super Bowl halftime show. It's like you need to begin. We need to begin to move off. I do think this is the case, like just being natural. I said this in terms of understanding roles. You know, I'm of the Generation X and generations have different perspectives. And what I'm suggesting, the majority of people are going to be like, well, let me see how that works out, Uncle Mike. Let me see how that works out. And that's when the critical mass begins to show itself. And so what I'm saying, like, makes a lot of sense to certain people. And when those people are beginning to see, they're like, okay, I ain't got nothing. When you get to this point, I ain't got nothing left to lose. That's when you're really willing to try something new. And when enough people are like, I've tried it and they've seen, I'm going to tell you this crazy story after, after I'm done with this monologue right now. Um, when enough people who are sitting on the fence see that, oh, wow, all of these other people did it. And it's really not that scary. And in fact, it's so much better over there than here. Um, that is when that is when tide changes. And so that is what I'm talking about, meta paradigm shift. Anything with anything that is outside of the paradigm you are in that appears to be fantasy is a meta paradigm shift. Because if it does not appear to be fantasy, well, then you're thinking within the paradigm's consciousness. So that's a little bit of a mind fuck, which I just said right there. But it's like, I'm just, what I'm, I don't know what it's going to be, but there, I know that to move out, I know how consciousness works. I know that my brain was, was manipulated by Hollywood and by my indoctrination and all of this. And the pictures of my mind have probably been given to me by then. So I know that if I think of a reality, which sounds crazy to this world, well then, okay, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the reality, which I'm counting on. That's a meta paradigm shift. And once that is, 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 is demonstrated by enough people, then the, then the critical masses begin to come. That's the four-minute mile. There was once a time where everyone believed no human being could run faster than a four-minute mile. And as soon as that was broken, well, then suddenly people break the four-minute mile barrier all the time. So let me pause with that uh, and let you give questions. And then after that, I'm going to tell you a story about me and the Freemasons and the secret societies. Mike. You just, I love everything you say, man. It, it's great. But, and I don't want to derail you too much because as I'm listening to you talk, I'm taking notes and I'm just writing different things down and there's just so many ways we can go about it. But do you think that, because you, you talked, you touched on technology, which is a critical thing right now in this reality. I mean, if you look at it, we have the metaverse, how you're saying we have cryptocurrencies, we have VR, we have all these things and it seems like no matter what people are always on their phones you know smartphone zombies I, I recently did an episode on zombies and how the concept of zombies isn't what they've painted in the cinema it's actually the cultural and societal influences that make people believe that there's such a thing so therefore when it happens to them and they have this trigger happening to them they assume that role it's not this pathogen. It's not a contagion. It's the societal influences that they okay. corner you in. So, you know, but again, we've been painted this in Hollywood, this, this other idea. Are they, I keep saying they, right? Right. This technology push 
Cause you're you said that the 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 brains of kids nowadays, and I know you're a father. I'm a father as well, and you can see it. Is this done on purpose to push us towards what every what everyone's always talked about the singularity? You have Terrence McKenna talking about it. You have a whole bunch of different. Where we where we finally merge with the tech? Is that part of the part of the narrative here? Is that even possible? What are your thoughts on that? Okay. Um, most important question you can ask is, is this a friendly or dangerous universe? <laughs> so you have to answer, you're going to answer that question based upon that perspective. And when I say you, I mean any human being. So mm-hmm. um, here is the, it's a friendly universe answer. Let's say, go imagine the time frame of your great, 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 great grandparents. Okay. And imagine trying to explain to them this invisible thing where like you could store information, you could access any like piece of information you want, like basically like what we think of as the internet, like what the internet can do. And you try to explain that to all these different people who lived at that time. And maybe some of them can imagine that. Maybe some of them can't. Like maybe they have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know because I, I, I did not grow up in that time. But I think it is a fair assessment that there would be a continuum, a wide continuum of how that is pictured in, in, in the collective minds of these people. So that being said, we, the, the, the paradigm which we are experiencing right now, which includes our technology and our rules and all of that, and all this stuff which is out of harmony with the baseline reality in which we're experiencing life. And so what I mean by that is like, you know, the act, like it's out of harmony to destroy the ecosystem in order to make your life better. Like that's just stupid. But that's part of how we live. And that's the whole, the whole thing. All of it, though, even though it's out of harmony, is still based upon some truth. It's not like this is disconnected from it. It's just like inversion or manip- or like it doesn't, it's, it's, it's discordant with it. So that being said, there is nothing, there's nothing in this disharmonious, in this disharmonious uh, environment which we're living in, which isn't based upon some level of truth. And so all of the things which technology affords us to do, I think that we should be able to do that anyway, okay? So let's say like the idea of the internet, like the best thing of the internet is it is a storage of information, right? Almost like the Akashic records for like, the, for like anyone who wants to go and ground it in like new agey sort of talk. And you'd be able to go and access it any, anywhere, anytime. Um, I think, you know, here's the good story. Like we're moving towards that. But in order to create a consensus reality where people can begin to expect to find that, there had to have been something that was given to us to demonstrate, oh, this is what we're talking about. So now we can be like, okay, imagine like all the stuff you can do with the internet, but it's not the fucking internet. 
You know, it's not like you're not paying access. It doesn't come with all of the stuff that with all of the baggage that comes along with with building the infrastructure with like the electromagnetic 5G. I don't even know if 5G is even a thing. I think 5G is an egregore, but like and it doesn't even matter anymore, like because the whole thing is just a fucking joke. But what it's done is it is put in the minds of everyone. We can picture it. So to me, like I don't like there's seemingly a direction undoubtedly of a technological singularity. But there could also be, when I talk about the human being is changing form, we are undoubtedly changing, meta paradigm shifts, all of these sort of things. I'm talking like, imagine still having a body, like all of the things of like what you would want to be, like it's fun to be in body. Like there's a lot of cool stuff to do, right? It's fun to be on earth. Like I like to travel. I like to go and see people. I like to have experiences. I like to go to parties. I like all these sort of things. Like I can only really do that in a body. Like it's not the same to do that in a video game. Like, like I'd still want to have earthly experiences, but imagine like you do all these sort of things without without like the 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 tribute to having to hold up someone else's false reality of their of their uh of their civilization and so i think we could go and move if you didn't have to pay money if you didn't have to eat if you were able to go and support like i'm just being fantastical right now like imagine you don't have to eat and you could hold your body through consciousness alone you know that's what the breathitarians say you could do imagine you could be like a tree like somehow a tree doesn't have a mouth Somehow a tree does not need to go and like feed its mouth with like, with, with elk, with animals in order to weigh 10,000 tons. It's able to have mass just purely through gas and photosynthesis, like anything's possible here. So it's like, like I'm to me, the question you are suggesting when answered in the consciousness of the paradigm, which I want to collapse, like, you're right. Like, no, it's going to be technological singularity. And, and like, we, like, you know, we should be happy. I'm really happy for my, my Pentagon masters. But I kind of am counting on. And because I don't give a fuck anymore, I'm willing to go and push my chips all in. I'm making room for a meta paradigm shift. Yeah. And, and like I said, if you're not how you mentioned earlier, how many people are having this sort of conversation? And also it makes me think about why they don't release animals in captivity, because when you release them in captivity, they've gotten so used to their masters feeding them or whoever it was, their caretakers. And when you put them out in, in, in the natural habitat, what happens to them? They, get, they, they can't survive. They can't survive. They can't survive. And, and that's I mean, the scary part about all this. You know, looking in, at it from what, a darker aspect. If, if let's say there there was how they painted all these movies and, and right now the mainstream narrative is, oh, you know, there's going to be this imminent attack. They're, they're, they're nuclear weapons. Some people don't believe in nuclear weapons, but all this different thing of like, what would happen if they took out the power grid or something crazy along those lines? How would we be able to survive without like, dude, Perfect example. And I'm, you know, we all work and, and I have a job. I have family. My wife works. You know, she has a job and everything. And the other night, my internet gave out. 
Well, the problem is the entire house is connected to the internet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I couldn't even make a phone call and I had a podcast that night. I couldn't even make a phone call to let the guys know I was going to be late because I was having internet issues. Well, if I don't have internet, I don't have power. I have a ton of PDF books that I can't access if I don't have any of the, you know what I'm saying? So it's like one thing is going to lead to the next and that's fine. Let's say it does happen and we go through that bump in the road. But a lot of people are going to have a bad time, Mike. It's going to be bad for a lot of people. Without a doubt. I mean, that's kind of what I was saying before. Like, I'm not trying to sound cold hearted. But but like something's good. Something's going to give whether, you know, they've been saying nuclear. The, the fear of nuclear holocaust has been is at least what? Uh, 80 years. Almost 100. Yeah, almost 100 years old. Yeah. So, like, I mean, imagine this. So, imagine this. Imagine, like, you're, like, in third grade and your teacher gave you, like, okay, we're going to have our nuclear power drill. Like, a nuclear bomb just went off. Everyone get underneath the, the, the desk. Like, that's the silliest thing. The only thing that happens is you're creating, like, absolute terror and fear for something no one could ever control over. And it's going to be in the back of their mind. It's no different. It is the – so, when I say, like, things change but they don't change, it's, like – when you like, whenever they started telling like young children about eternal damnation, you, if you don't do this right, you will have eternal damnation. You have absolutely no control over anything and you are completely disempowered. This is a complete disempowering thing. So all of, so that's like a little bit of a, of a tangent. Like th those are all just, those are the same games. They've always been saying that. And then secondly, like who the fuck cares? Let that be, let that be, you know what? I can, we can <laughs> handle that. But then if that does happen, well, it's like, you know, well, think about it. Like an egregore, a false reality, a false reality only exists because it is fed. And what the what the coronavirus solar ritual was did was it even deepened. Like there's this slow deepening of people's feeding and connection to the system through technology. You know, it's an intermediary and it was introduced. How do the people get into the, how do the people get into the, the matrix bathtubs? Well, there are two ways. One like is um, they were like seduced, like, look how much fun this is. Look at this. I'm going to give you VR glasses for porn. And I'm going to give you like porn machines. Like, you know, it's like, they're going to do whatever they can to want people and then they're gonna be like, oh, here, like, I'm going to make your life so complex with technology, but then I'm going to give you more technology so that the complexity I just gave you becomes even easier. Like, all it is, is like, it just gets you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I if heard you, you like don't technology. like technology and they're, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I said, uh, we heard you like technology. So we gave you more technology on top of your technology. <laughs> with, with, so this is, is the thing. So if you go, I find this so fascinating. So there was once upon a time, so I was born in the early 70s. And I can remember what it was like when, house, when there just weren't computers in people's households. Because I remember when people started bringing computers home and you're like, oh, wow. I remember when cable TV was like a first thing. So if you go back into like the 1970s, well, what, what's interesting, go and watch like, you know, you could watch a Hollywood reproduction of something. You could watch a show that was made in the 60s. You could read something, but get an idea of what like life and business was like in the 1960s. Like there was a TV show uh, called Mad Men, which was out a while ago. And it showed like uh, 
uh, New York City in the 1950s. And what you saw was things worked pretty well. Like it was a real sophisticated system. I'm not saying it was a good system, like in terms of like ethical system, but I'm saying like it was functional. It was functional as fuck. And so what happened in the 1970s, you had all of these technology companies, they came and they said, they came to all these different businesses because in our realm, it is business, busyness, which keeps things together. And they're like, hey, we want you guys to go and start buying all these computers and buying all this automated stuff. And then the, 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 the business owners, the decision makers are like, um, I don't think I need to because... It works pretty well right now. And you want me to spend thousands of dollars for something that already works. So no, I'm going to pass on this. And so this is what they did in the 1970s. So like, this is what? This is going to make everyone's life more efficient. And all of your workers are going to be able to get what they do in 40 hours of work week. They're going to be able to do it in 20. So that means they've got 20 hours off and they get to do the same thing and it's going to be awesome. And then the business owner is like, hmm, because at the end of the day, most people are good people. You know, the reason why we become bad is because, or like when people start like making really, really selfish choices is because like the, the, the system makes it that way. It pulls them out. And so they're like, okay, I want to go and do something nice for my, for my people. I would like, you know, like this is, this makes sense. This is the world I want to live in a world where we got more free time to do the stuff we want. And that's how technology was sold. And we could go and look now in hindsight, it's like people are more work more now than ever before. They're more stressed than ever before. They're overloaded by all of that. So it was like the, the, it was always a lie to get the foot in the door. And once that happened, once that foot was in the door, once that foot was in the door, like the system happens. And, and one of the biggest things about like the coronavirus was like there was a monumental leap in terms of how integrated technology was. It was slowly moving up, like, but then suddenly, like, because of like, you know, like QR codes and like contact texting, testing and all this sort of stuff, like all of this stuff where there was like resistance over for the last six or seven years, like everyone just kind of accepted that. So like, this is the system. It's not going to slow down. And here's the thing, like, like this is just common sense. It is the hardware software upgrade two-step. Because of the nature of our financial system in terms of like, there's always got to be earnings per share growth. There's always going to be a push for like another tech, like a, a better version of the hardware, or there's going to be some clever person who's going to come up with a new app, which is going to be able to do something which wasn't be able to be done before in technology. But now I need new hardware. It, what happens is there will always be a need for new hardware and the hardware you have will eventually become obsolete just as the OS becomes obsolete. And if you do not get off that bus, the station where it goes is obvious. There's your singularity. There's, that is like, that is like, there's no way around it. There's no way around it. This is when I talked about like that detox, like what you said right now, like if you literally thought, if you lie in bed tonight and you're like thinking about what I say and you're like, 
fuck, man, my whole house is like hooked up and like, this is how I live. And like, I don't, I don't want to be in the, I don't want to go to the technology world. I love my kids. I don't want my kids to have this, but what am I going to do? Like, you know, am I real? like, that's a tough place to be. Like, you know, this is where we are right now. These are the sort of things. I am, if I do my job correctly on this show, in this audience, I've done one thing. I planted some ideas in people's minds. I'm, I personally am on what I think of as on the cutting edge of moving away from a lot of this stuff, but it's because I'm in a place where I don't necessarily, where I can take those risks. But, and the reason why I do that is so that then the people who don't necessarily have the ability to do that can see how it can be done. This is what I see. We're not, we don't want to be crabs pulling each other out, trying to pull, get out of like the boiling water. What we're going to be doing is we're reaching down and we're pulling each other up. And those who are down beneath are pushing each other up. And this is what I mean about creating the space for the meta paradigm shift, because I don't know what it looks like. None of us do. But I know that if we do not begin moving in that direction, I know what, where I know the station where this train goes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I, 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 this, that was just a I didn't want to derail you, but it's something that we all I think it's something that we all think about. It's like, it's where is it headed? Question. Well, it's a legit. Question. It's going to continue moving forward, <laughs> whether you like it or not. So and what you choose going, to do, exactly, it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. So um, there are a couple of things which um, I was hoping we could uh, cover before we wrap up. I know we wanted to talk a little bit about ARGs. And then I also mm. want to tell, I, I want to I give a little bit of um, where the rubber meets the road in terms of like an actual, ex, uh, actual story, which I can share from real experience of like what this kind of like looks like in in reality, like, like seeing things collapse around you and like secret societies and all sorts of stuff like that. Go for it, Mike. All right. Well, let's, let's first, uh, well, I just want to make reference to ARG. So, uh, so I assume like you've talked about ARGs before on your, to your audience. We know what, <laughs> all right. So ARG and a, the reason why ARG stands for an alternate re- reality game, an alternative reality game. The reason why I believe it's so important to understand ARGs is because it is it paints a picture of how consensus reality is created. And so when you understand what an ARG is, you can scale it up or scale it down. And when you scale it up, you could see that our entire system is just one big ARG. So I, I recommend I mention a movie before, like, you know, part of being alive right now is we do got a lot of goodies, like a lot of them, like they, 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 they're toxic, but if you're smart, you can, you can move through it. So I mentioned stranger than fiction, like looking at that uh, from a, maybe a literal perspective, what is that suggesting? But then I'm going to give two more movies as it relates to ARGs. There was a movie that came out in 1997. It was called the game it stars, um, Michael Douglas was like a Hollywood blockbuster. What an ARG does is when you see a whole bunch of people are in on a certain sort of uh, like almost what you would think of as gang stalking onto an individual, 
that becomes their reality. This is how reality consensus reality happens. This is how like, you know, everyone believes this false book is true. And then it becomes an egregore. Like we can begin to see this, this is ARGs and we can create our own ARGs. Another great one to watch. And this one is probably a little bit more fun. It's called the Institute. It came out in 2013. It was like a, like a, Doc, like, I don't even know what it is. Like, you're going to watch it and you're going to scratch Mark, your head. Uh, I watched and, it with Mark. <laughs> okay, you watch it with Mark. And you're like, is this, like, how much of this is a joke? Am I in yeah. on the joke? Is this a psychological operation to begin with? The whole thing, all of this stuff we're doing is a psychological operation. So when you begin to realize that and begin to realize, like, we can play. What I'm telling you before about, like, moving off and, like, collapsing the timelines this is Mike saying, like, this is how we create our own ARG, brothers. Like, this is where it takes. Like, you know, stop sitting on the sidelines and, like, like you know, and and describing what you're seeing. Like, this is how we get our feet our feet in the game. So that being said, I'd like to finish with this story. This is this is a true story, and and you've probably heard this before, but I think I'm in front of a new audience, and and I'd like to share it because it's kind of fun. So the very first, the very first um, uh, Gonzo conspiracy research story I've ever told was called the Susquehanna Mystery, and all of my stories I don't like make anything up. I just go and I look at connections and I pull things out and like you know I'm like well why you know I I juxtapose things that 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 occur in history and in reality and I'm like what is this pointing to? You know that's basically what I do. And the Susquehanna mystery, I think, is the greatest one of them all because it deals with the oldest river on the planet, deals with the birthplace of electricity or electrical distribution, the computer technology industry, deals with Francis Bacon, John Dee, Baseball Hall of Fame, all this sort of stuff. And you can't tell a good conspiracy story without including the Masons because they're always involved. There are a whole bunch of secret societies and like the more, the more secretive ones I think are a little bit more interesting, but it all begins with the Masons. It all begins with Masons. It's a real deal. You can't go into a town in America without seeing that blue sign that tells you the number and where they meet. So, okay. So I first came out with the Susquehanna mystery and started telling that tale probably 2018. And 2021 was it? I think it was like December, 2021. I got an invitation, an invitation from a 33 degree Freemason who told me he is, uh, he leads a group of, of like a subgroup of Freemasons who really get into esoteric research. And he was a big fan of my work and he wanted me to come and present. And it was interesting and it came right on my 50th birthday. And it was, it was like a, a really kind of like complex sort of thing to be dropped upon someone such as myself. I'm like, well, if you listen to my research, you guys are always the bad guys, right? Uh, there's that. And then, but at the same time, I'm like, Ooh, this kind of feels good, right? It's like, you know, like, like these guys are coming to me and they want me to tell them about their organ, like that, you know, all of these things are happening. But where it got really interesting was this. About a year earlier, 
I did what I think was probably one of the most interesting synchromystic deep dives dives I had done. And I did it on um, the higher side chats. And it was a, an analysis of the Kobe Bryant ritual and the, his, his death, it being a death ritual. And if you remember, Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. And the basis of that presentation was the fact that the only other helicopter crash that I was aware of that contained a celebrity occurred over, over um, Kobe Bryant's high school some 40 years earlier. Okay, outside of Philadelphia. And I that was the beginning of my story of that story. So I was invited by these Freemasons to go and present this information. And I accepted. I was like, yeah, I'll definitely go and do that. And in the invitation, it gave me the date. It gave me the date and the location of where I would be giving this presentation. And maybe about midway through the the lag between the invitation date when it was sent to me and when I was to give the presentation, I had an epiphany, uh, an epiphany. And what the epiphany was, was that the date of the presentation was on um, Kobe Bryant, the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death. It was January 26th. I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting. And the location of the presentation was probably like within three miles of where that helicopter crashed. Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash in California, but like the helicopter crash that happened over his high school was in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And it was about three or four miles from where that helicopter crash took place where the meeting was. So I'm like, all right, now I've got two for two. And if you count the number of days between the invitation and when the presentation was, it was 57. And the person who was on the helicopter crash that crashed over the, um, over the, the school, it was, it was a U.S. Senator. He was John Hines. And John Hines was of the Hines 57 um, ketchup family and a multi-generational skull and bones family. And so that was part of the presentation about like 57 and John, John Hines. And that was an inside job. And it, it, or I had five other examples of how this invitation tied in perfectly to all of this Kobe Bryant research about a ritualistic murder. And so there I was, there I was sitting with that on my lap saying, am I going to walk into this lion's den? They told me, they told me they're fans of my work and they know all my stuff and I'm going to come in and there are all of these clues. If you know anything about like, you know, like Freemasonic free kind of like symbolism, like this is how they operate. This is how they communicate with this type of like mockery. And I'm like, are they going to murder me? Are they telling me? They're telling me to my face that I'm coming in to be the ritualistic murder on Kobe Bryant's. Like, and so I had to sit with myself 
And I'm like, am I going to, am I really, do I really believe everything that I've put out there? Do I really think that I'm going to be the next one? Or do I not think that can happen? And there was like a period of time where, where, uh, there's a period of time where I say, I'm not going to go to that thing. Last thing I want to do is go down like that. And then at the end of the day, like, you know, after doing, you know, running through every situation, I was like, if they're going to murder me, and I didn't think they were, I did like, you know, in my, like my inner sense was like, I, I don't think like, you know, I didn't have like a deep sense of fear that I, that these were Mike's final days. Like I could have been wrong, but I didn't have that. I was like, I don't think they're going to happen, but even if they do, I'm not going to, I'm going to go out on my feet. You know, I, I create, I went out in public. I did this research. I told this story. And if I can't back this up by showing up, well then, you know, who am I? So I go and I give the presentations and I gave the presentation they wanted. And then at the very end of it, and they, they love the presentation, you know, it was like a really great bunch of guys, you know, I'm they, let me be clear. I'm a member of no secret society. I'm no Freemason. Um, I know Freemasons. I know Freemasons are really good guys, like young guys. And I'm like, who know all this sort of stuff. They're like, ah, it's a bunch of bullshit. Nah, no, nah, this is this, that. I'm like, and then I know like other guys are like, oh no, this is some really serious shit. I don't know. Um, I got my opinions, but so I go there, I give the presentation. And then at the very end, I go and I ask him, I'm like, do you guys realize that you invited me here on the Kobe Bryant, the anniversary of Kobe Bryant death, blah, 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 all these sort of things. Like, no, I had no idea that that was the case. And then I'm like, do I have any reason to believe that I am me or anyone who's close to me is in any sort of physical harm right now that you guys are going to cause do to me? They're like, no, of course not. And I'm like, of course not, because this has nothing to do with you. And I got all my high horses and I'm like, what I just, what just happened was an initiation between Mike and life, whoever that is, whoever that, as you call it, architect, and that's a Freemasonic term, like whoever it is, like whatever is on the other side, this is between me and them. And it happened in front of you guys because you guys in our culture are the ultimate symbols of initiation and you witnessed my initiation. And I took a bow and I walked off stage and they're like, they're all drunk off their ass. They're all like clapping or what have you. And the very next day, the very next day, my entire personal life imploded. <laughs> and I have been on a, a, a journey, which at times was, was very, very uncomfortable. But as I went through this journey over this, and this was like a little bit over a year ago, as I went through this, I have discovered things like, like literally that came into my life within my family line, which I had no idea, like, you know, what I'm a part of my, like my ancestry, you know, that's part of like our modern times is like, no one really knows, like, you know, what their great, 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 great grandparents were. But there was once upon a time, everyone knew about their great, 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 great grandparents. And so when I say that the parts of life that was really upheld by culture and all of the goodies that did fall apart. And I went through some difficult times, but I, every single time I was like, I don't know what, what's going to happen next. I always found the most, not only perfect support, but poetic, poetic, meaning the way I was supported by the person, by the event was so absolutely 
perfect to me, my value systems, how I understand reality that, uh, as you said before, like there can't be, this can't be a coincidence. And so I'm sharing that, I'm sharing that as a multi-tiered story. I'm sharing that in the fact that like, like I've, 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 I've looked at, I've looked into the abyss, if you will. I've, I've looked at the bad guys. They weren't so bad. They were actually my friends, I guess. Um, life keeps on treating me to some of the most interesting sort of stuff. Uh, where I am now. Did we lose you, Mike? Mike, are you there? You froze up. Mike, did your computer die or? Mike. The forces that be don't want us to know where you are in life right now, apparently. All right. So that was wild, right? Are you back? I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. I'm you, back. you said where I am in life right now. And then it just peaced out. <laughs> it peaced out and it came back and it came back. Yeah. So, so I share this, I share this story. It's like, there's a net, there's a net. And when you go and, and, and your face, like all this stuff is, it's all just scary. It's all just scary stuff. It's scary thoughts. Like, you know, I had it. I was scared. Like I had that fear. I'm like, are they really going to kill me? No one's going to kill me. No one like, you know, if that was going to happen, that was going to happen. And some stuff seemingly bad occurred, but in reality, I'm happier now. I'm more alive now. than I certainly was before any of this. And before any of that occurred. So what have you been working on as of lately, Mike? What What's next for you? You have anything on the horizon that's coming up? Certainly. Any special projects you're working on? So, so you, you made reference you, in the very beginning. You said I have my own form of astrology. No, I, I would not say it's my own form of astrology. Um, it's called natural astrology. And it's somewhere between astronomy and common astrology. Like I've been a, a professional astrologer. And what I mean by that is like, I supported myself financially through astrological services um, over the past couple of years. So like, I, I know my astrology and I know that astrology is like, I understand why it works. And I also understand it's Babylonian control mechanisms, but there's a truth to astrology and astrology. Like there's something that happens when you can stand in the mystery of reality being able to not think about astrology as a um, as a a like a storytelling device, but as a mechanism to integrate with reality, and that is what natural astrology is. So I teach that. I teach like the mechanisms behind what that means, and I do that like with with this. This is called the starboard. You see how this spins. And so it's a model of the Zodiac, if you will. And so me and my lady, we travel around and we teach people how to use it. We build the charts and we look at the sky and we demystify 
We hold it in mystery, but we demystify what the Babylonian priest class put in place 5,000 years ago. We all live in an astrological world. That's the reason why you have 13 zodiacs in the Congress building. That's the reason why when you go into the, the, the lobby of the Federal Reserve headquarters in Washington, D.C., they have etched on the glass doors the zodiac because it's like that. that is like the beginning of the mind control. When you go and you, you, you poke throat, poke holes with it, and you understand the truth behind it, and the truth is just like you're understanding the rhythms of our realm, and then you surrender to the mystery, you step outside of it. This is what I mean by like collapsing false timelines. I teach people this. So I'm doing that. I also have my own like, I, 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 like I, I'm in this world, but not of this world. Like you and I communicate, obviously I'm still on a computer. Like I still have like, you know, some bills I pay. Like, you know, if I want to do what I want to do, which is talk to people and travel and meet. And like, I don't want to build an online community. I want to build an on ground community. Like, you know, I got to have a nope. I got to have a, a, a day timer, if you will. And so I've got my own system and I have my system understanding actually like what's happening uh, in the sky. It takes effort because we've been sold a bitter lie that convenience is something to be valued. The only reason why we want convenience is because you've been so overburdened with shit you have to do. You're trying to save whatever steps you can. And so that's why they sell you convenience. We want to put effort into what matters. You put effort into what matters. And so I teach people how to, how to relook at the events of their life through an artistic lens of notebooking, through the starboard. And that's what I've been doing. Awesome, Mike. And one one more question. Did you pick this date by any chance on purpose? 2-23-23? Uh, uh, I don't believe so. I don't even remember how this date was picked. <laughs> I don't either. I think I think I sent you my my calendar and you picked it. You picked so I picked it from your calendar. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so there was probably a reason why I did, but I don't recall what that was. Is this day of significance? No, it's just two twenty-three twenty-three. It's just two two three. If I were to guess, I know, that's just... probably why I did that. Probably. Well, I undoubtedly Mike... did that. Because <laughs> well, I know you're into astrology, so I was like, oh, maybe he picked it because of some. Because I I released my episode today. On 223, 23 at 223. So, you know, I like to play with the with the matrix a little bit like that sometimes too. That's exactly how you play with it, without a doubt. Mike, this was fun. I'd like Definitely to have you back on again in the future. And I love the way you talk about things and, and your view on whatever this is. Whatever, whatever this, this is. Exactly. And here's the thing. The one last thing. Remember, we're all in this. Th whatever this thing is, we're all in it together. Absolutely. And I'll post your links in the description for people to find you. And they want to get a reading by you. If they want to support you. They want to buy a starboard. They want to learn more about it. Like, hit me up with that. Absolutely. Mike, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a lot of fun. And I look forward to the next one with you whenever that may be.
All right. Brain cell left around me, they ain't comas, media is anecdotal. If you ain't noticed, I ain't picking sides, I'm like the soaker woo. There's levels to it like pagodas woo. Why there wasn't mandates on Ebola woo? Ayy, following the president, can't tie his shoelace. Just a puppet dancing, faker than the moon racing 69. Ooh, trying to piece it all together like a haiku. Chained up like Anderson Cooper in a white pool Government overreach like a typhoon Like they stepping on your white shoes Hey, step back, I'm staying indie Labels ain't gonna sign me, I'm popping like my blicky Vatican putting out pedos like they're fucking Disney All this info I'm serving up on the plate They should tip me Raise a blade to my soul, I can't hold all the way Hit you closer than the one at the Pentagon. Many sides to the stories they give us, it looks like a hexagon. I don't need Teflon, I don't do jabs, but my soul is like Captain America's skin after they shot him up. This is America. <laughs>